Today's message, if I can have you just click on that first slide, that'd be great. Thank you. The prince, did I do that? Yeah. The prince who left it all, or what? What do you get a king? The prince who left it all, or what do you get a king? That's the name of today's message. So this story today is about a kingdom far, far, far away. It was an amazing kingdom with elaborate buildings adorned with gold and precious gems, inventions that were yet unknown to mankind. And the meals, oh my. Does it make you salivate just a little bit? For some of you, no. If it were a burger, maybe. But that's the kind of meal They had the best chefs, the best ingredients, and the meals were the tastiest you'd ever taste. Most, if given the choice, wanted to live in this kingdom. But to do so, you couldn't just walk up to the gate, knock, and say, let me in. Nope. Because they wouldn't let you in. No one, no one, no one could come in unless they met certain specifications. And those specifications were that you had to be of royal blood. Now, up until the royal blood, that kind of sounds like America, doesn't it? The ruler of this kingdom, he had a son who was destined one day to inherit his father's kingdom. The prince had much to do to prepare for that glorious day. And one day, while he was pondering life, the son realized that no one from that distant land could enter his father's kingdom because they didn't qualify. They were not of royal blood. And as he thought about it, the prince felt he had come up with a solution. He could go personally to this distant land and help the people to become part of the royal family. Since the prince hadn't experienced life on the other side of the kingdom walls yet, he thought it would be good for him to go out and to live with those people. After all, he wanted to know how they experienced life, how they felt about life, what kinds of things they went through on a day-to-day basis so that he understood how to invite them to come to his own kingdom. The prince felt the need to go on this journey incognito, secretly. He wanted to experience this life as the other folks did, and he felt if he let them know who he was, that that would take away from how he would be able to experience that life. So he didn't want everyone to know that he was a prince from a very affluent kingdom. That meant that he had to lay aside his crown His way of making a living, if you will. No butlers, no extravagant feasts, no power. Not like he had in his own kingdom. The young prince felt like he even needed to pick a a trade. And he did that. He became a blue-collar worker in a modern term. Once he arrived, it took him years to accomplish 
all of his goals. How many set goals? Years. It was just after he turned 30 that things began to get rather exciting. And then he felt like, you know what? It's time to let the cat out of the bag, so to speak. Instead of living in secret, it was time to tell the people who he really was and why he came. So he began by telling them about his father's glorious kingdom. And then he put out an invitation to join him as his guest, as a part of his family. But when he shared that he was a prince and that he had to lay down his princely title in order to come to the earth and to live with them as one of them, it didn't go as he expected it. Some of the people welcomed him with open arms, but many did not. The reason that many people didn't welcome the prince was that they couldn't really understand why he came in the first place. Nor did they believe that he was a prince as he claimed he was. In their minds, they thought, why would anyone give up their title as prince and come to be a lowly, meek, to live a lowly, meager lifestyle as this young man said he had done? It just didn't make sense to them. Another reason many didn't accept the prince was that they didn't want him to tell them how to live their life. They didn't want him to influence them. He often spoke in riddles and parables. And he tried to challenge the people to live differently, to think about life differently, to love, to give of themselves, even to serve others. But these people liked their lives the way they were, and many were offended that the prince felt the need to disrupt their own lifestyle. Who was he to tell them how to live? Finally, after a few years of attempting to show the people how awesome his gods, how awesome his father's kingdom was, the day came when the son had to make a very important decision. He had to convince these people how much he and the Father loved them. He was going to have to do something drastic. He was going to have to allow the people who had not accepted him to do with him as they pleased. The prince thought, if it costs me everything, even if I must lay down my life for my people, I am willing to do so. For a good king must be willing to sacrifice his all for his people, if that's what's required. And that was exactly what was required. The cost was very high. The good prince would have to lay down his life for the people that he'd grown to love with all his heart. How many have figured out who I'm talking about? Jesus. As I put this message together this week, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to introduce it in a story form. 
And when I did it, I thought, wow, this is what he did for us. And I wrote this illustration to show us how, how Jesus was sent to this planet. And I'm not trying to make doctrine out of this. This was a story. But the illustrations were primarily accurate. It was a way for us to become royal. To be able to finally enter the kingdom of heaven as God had intended. And for us to become a part of that royal bloodline. And, and I noticed in that song you had grapped us in. Well, it said crapped us in, but it's supposed to say grapped us in. You sang graft, but it said craft. And I saw that and I went, oh, that's us. Jesus came so that we could be grafted into the vine, into the kingdom, spilling his royal blood so that we would become part of that bloodline. He was willing to die for us so that we might have life and life to the full. How many can get excited about that today? But there was no other way for, if there was, surely the Father would have chosen the other way, right? You know, we, we criticize the Father to say, why would you do that to the Son? Do you really think He would have done that if there was any other way out? But when you understand the law and how it had to be appeased for God to be able to say, I'm righteous, I'm a good judge, it had to be appeased. Man's sin had to be accounted for. So the prince came as an ambassador for his father, sent to atone for man's sins. The son, sent by the father, willingly laid aside his crown and his royalty in order to become the sin sacrifice for all mankind forever. Once and for all, he paid for yours and my sins. I felt that by hearing the story in this light, you might see that Jesus was a real historical figure who came to earth as our Savior. He was not some fictional, mythological character, as some like to claim. He was not a figment of the disciples' imaginations. He was real. In fact, over 500 people witnessed Jesus coming back from the dead. How many people have you ever seen come back from the dead? That's the point. Only one could. And that was Jesus. Many gave their lives in defense of the message that he brought as the Father's ambassador. And now you and I are called upon to be that ambassador for Jesus. After the Lord ascended into the heavens, when he went back to his father's kingdom, there he took his rightful place at the right hand of the father. Where what? He intercedes for us. And that's found in Hebrews 7.25. He is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. He's praying for us right now. That we would understand who He is and what He wants to do with us as His people. He has a plan and a purpose for every single person in this room. Praise Jesus. 
Praise Jesus. Think about that. Hmm. And this leads me to my primary question that I've already kind of posed. What do you do for someone who has it all, yet gave his all for you? What do you do? When you think about this, you know, you could think, my mom did that for me. You wouldn't be here if it weren't for your mother. Hello? How many say, or your dad, but did your dad really have that much trouble making you? (laughs) However, your mother, trust me, there's a reason they call it labor pain. You and I will never experience that. Hopefully. I was thinking about this. What do you get somebody that has everything? I started thinking of my own family, and you know, I say this affectionately, but my son's father and mother-in-laws, I I call them the outlaws, for various reasons, affectionately. But one of the reasons is every time we go to get get the grandkids something, it's like the other, the outlaws, always seem to beat us to the, oh, they already got that. Oh, they already got that. It's like, come on, can't you leave us a few crumbs? Something that, that doesn't cost a gazillion dollars and we can still get them and they'll, they'll go, oh, be more pop, oh, you're cool. Thank you. They, the kids have everything today, don't they? What do you get the one who gave it all? Back to the king, Jesus, who gave it all. The Bible says in Galatians 1, 4 to 5, and I'm going to share some scriptures here just to lay this foundation. Jesus gave his life for our sins. Everybody say amen. amen. Just, as our, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from the evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. He set his crown aside and came to us in human form. John 1.14 says, So the Word, Jesus, the Logos, became, and in order to become something, you have to leave something, right? He became human, meaning flesh and blood, just like you and me, and He made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Some of the versions say He was full of grace and truth. And we have seen his glory. John said this. The, the disciple that Jesus loved said, we have seen his glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. Hallelujah. John saw that Jesus was a chip off the old block. If I can be that John witnessed the love that Jesus had for the people. The love of the Father was evident in the Son. He wasn't some made-up, fictional character. Jesus was real flesh and blood, just like you and me. And John and the other disciples were willing to stake their lives on that. 
Are you? The Bible says that Jesus came to us born of a virgin. Miraculous. The woman, Mary, was God's perfect choice to represent mankind. It had to be an a joining of the two parties. So Mary was impregnated by God the Holy Spirit in order that the son who she would give birth to would be 100% God and 100% man. He had the DNA of both. The Bible said that his stepdad, Joseph, he never slept with Mary until after Jesus was born. Why the need for this prince to be born of a virgin human being in such a way? Why? Because in order for Jesus to become the perfect sacrifice, the one who would take away the sins of the world, the requirement was for you and me to become a part of his family, and we couldn't do that unless we were related. He couldn't bring us in. He couldn't graft us into the bloodline unless we were related to Him. And this is how God saw fit to make a way where there was no other way. Philippians 2, verses 6-8, to beginning with, says, Though He was God, He did not think of Him... Think of equality with God as something to cling to. Did you catch that? Though he was God, he didn't think that he was of equality with God. He didn't think it was something he could cling to. Instead, this is the part I want you to catch. He gave up his divine privilege. Some versions say he emptied himself. When that soldier went to him just to make sure he was dead and jabbed him in the side, what happened? He was, his blood had already gone. He was emptied when water came out of the wound. Get this, he did this for you and for me. For his family, who he wanted to welcome into his father's kingdom. But there was no way for that to happen unless he willingly emptied himself. He took the humble position of a slave. And listen, today, when we think of slave, we, we don't think of it's not a nice word, right? We usually think of the slaves that, that were shipped over from Africa who were put to work in the cotton fields in the south. Typically, that's what we think of. But I want you to understand there was all kinds of slavery going on during Jesus' time. All kinds of people. There were indentured servants who... They couldn't afford to pay their debt, so the people would bring them into their homes until they worked off their debt. There were all kinds of different meanings that were attached to being a slave. But in this case, you can attach every evil, every wicked, 
thought to what Jesus meant by this. He was willing to become a slave for us. To give His life for us. He became human when He appeared in human form. He humbled Himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. How many think Jesus deserved it? Maybe just a little bit? Yet He was still willing. He didn't deserve to die. He didn't want to die. But He did it for it was His Father's will and it was necessary for you and me to be allowed entrance into the kingdom of God. And because Jesus did this, verse 9 and following says, Therefore God elevated Him to the place of highest honor and gave Him the name above all other names. Hallelujah. That's that's at the name of Jesus that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. How many other places are there? And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, did what He had to do to bring us peace. You and me. Humankind. For it was required of the law. The law had to be satisfied. And He gave His life as a ransom for many. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give His life as a ransom. And having fulfilled all of that that He came to do, He now has been restored to His rightful place of honor at the right hand of God the Father. And here's the blessing part for you and me. Here's the good news of all this. Because of Jesus' great sacrifice, laying down His crown, coming to earth in human form, giving His life as payment for our sins. When, when Aaron was up here earlier, when he did the offering, he talked about that a little bit. What does it cost? Where do you put your money? You put it where it's going to make the most sense. When God looked at you and me and He saw a world living in sin that had been separated from Him as a result of that sin, He felt in His heart that we were worth something. We were worth everything. Do you see that? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. That's how much the Father loves us, loves you. I've said this before, but if it was just you, Deborah, if it was just you, Jesus would have gone to the cross for you. I believe that with all my heart. And he probably would have rather have had it that way. Then he would have just had Deborah's sins on him. 
Not to say you're that bad. I don't mean it like that. I'm not implying anything here. She's one of us. We're all sinners and have fallen short of God's glorious standard. But Jesus took on all of our sins, past, present, and future. Once and for all, he paid the price. It cost God everything to see you and me brought into the kingdom, grafted into the vine, giving us the opportunity to become royal blood if we accept what he did for us. I would say that's pretty good news. Because of his great sacrifice, because of what he did for us, you and I have life and life to the full. The Amplified says the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. And of course, he's talking about Satan himself. But Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it to abundance, to the full, to, till it overflows. He emptied himself so that you and I could overflow. That's why we praise Jesus. That's why there's no other name that we bend our knee to. And as Jesus said, and the apostles said, He's the only one that we're going to have to bend our knee to and confess Jesus as Lord. The only one. And listen, you're either going to do it as one of His kids, or you're going to do it as the spawn of the devil. And when you're finished saying it, Jesus is Lord, get thee behind me. Throw this wicked and lazy servant, where? Into the lake of fire. Which, trust me, is not where you want to go skiing. Or fishing. It's a place of torment. It's real. Just like this whole story is real. How do you get this marvelous, abundant, overflowing kind of life? You heed Paul's words from Romans 10. I'm going to start with verse 5. This is what he said to the church in Rome. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. How many can live up to this? Nobody. Every single one of us has broken these commands. You've lied. You've committed adultery. Well, I've never done that. Really, you've never looked at another woman. You've never watched a commercial go across the screen and gone, ooh. Jesus said, if you lust in your heart, then you've committed the act. You've never murdered. Maybe you haven't. But have you thought about it? All of us. All of us are sinners. None of us can stand up to the law. That was the whole point of Jesus having to come. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart, who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down? Don't say, who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again? Verse 8, in fact, 
It says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. What does it say? The message is the very message about faith that we preach. So this is what they were telling everyone. When Paul and Peter and John and James, when they walked the earth, this is what they were telling them. If you confess with your mouth, read this with me, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. He goes on, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. By the way, this is my red letters. I did this for emphasis. As the Scripture tells us, anyone, anyone, anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. He could have thrown in anybody's name, Jew, Gentile, whatever, Muslim, anybody. If they believe in Jesus, they will be saved. For they have the same Lord who gives generously to all. I love that part. When we come to Jesus, He doesn't just give us just a little nugget of Himself. He gives to us generously. I'm giving you my all. I'm giving you everything I am and everything I have. My kingdom, my character, my nature, it's all yours for the taking. Hallelujah! I think this is pretty exciting. And then finally, verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I will give you that opportunity here in just a minute. If you haven't already done so. Back to my earlier question. What do you get? What do you get for someone who has it all? Yet gave his all for you. The answer is connected to Romans 10, 9-13. The best gift that you can give Jesus Wait for it. Take your finger. Point at yourself. Can you think about that just for a minute? Well, you don't understand, Pastor Norm. I'm I'm worthless. Yes, you are. You don't understand, Pastor Norm. I'm a sinner. Yes, you are then why would Jesus want me? Because it's what he does for you. It's who you become that's in the nature of God. That's who he wants living with him forever. It's the spirit, man or woman, who is changed into his likeness. The day's coming when we're going to be taken up and He's going to give us a new body, a glorified body that's going to live forever with no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. That day is coming soon. 
We just have to hang on and not give up. We just have to trust in Him and believe that He has our backs. Don't give up. We're almost there. He gave His all for you. You didn't ask Him to. Some of you would say that. I never asked Him to. No, you didn't. But He did it just the same. Your son or daughter might not realize some of the things that you do for them when they're five. But when they're 18, they'll figure out that what you did was for their good. The same with Jesus. What he did, you may not understand, but a day will come when you will. If you give him residence within you. And now, I love this part. Should you choose to become a part of the kingdom of God, and it is a choice. Hello? Should you choose? Should you decide, I want to become a royal citizen of heaven? Not only will you be grafted into the family of God, but you will become an heir of the same kingdom. Everything that is Jesus will be yours. Speaking of this, the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 11, Don't forget that you Gentiles, which meant non-Jews, used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. What an affectionate name. Who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. What were those covenant promises? Read the Old Testament. Do you think it's a book we don't need anymore? No, it led up to Jesus coming and fulfilling all that the prophets had said. You lived in this world without God and without hope. How many could say, that was me? But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. That means those who have confessed Jesus as Lord and are born again, you are now part of the family. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him. Emphasis mine, through the blood of Christ. The blood was necessary. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Why did Jesus have to come? Why did he have to shed his blood? In order to appease the law, in order for him to atone for our sins, that had to be even, at least. God did way more than was expected to pay for our sins. But certainly it was balanced. What God gave to take care of you and me. Was found in Jesus. 
Think about that just for a minute. Jumping down to verse 19. <laughs> so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are now members of God's family. How did that happen? <laughs> How do you think? Jesus. Can you stand with me? Jesus. 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 As I begin to close, the one gift that you and I can give, quite frankly, the only gift that you and I can give is to give yourself, to give myself. There's nothing else that God wants from us. And this leads me to the final passage I'm going to share. Humble yourselves before God. James 4, 7. Resist the devil and he will flee. You know, this isn't your battle. It's God's battle. You just have to be faithful with what he's given you. Resist means to stand up to, to buffet, not to allow into your space. Resist. This is a fighting stance for resist. We were taught this in, in chaplain school. When someone's confrontational, don't just stand there like... Don't be looking down at your phone while the officer's dealing with this person. You ready? be on your stance so that you can't get knocked off your feet easily. Resist the devil and he will flee. Come close to God and you and God will come close to you. Wash your hands you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. This is an indictment. Where is your loyalty? If you give yourself as a gift to Him, are you giving your all? Or are you just giving part of it? You see, God doesn't want a gift that's tainted. He doesn't want just half of you. He wants all of you. Let there be tears for what you've done. That means repent. Be sorry. You and I, we are the reason Jesus had to hang on the cross. I love the fact we got crosses all over this place. You, don't, you can look around anywhere in this room, you're going to see a cross. What is that all about? It meant pain and suffering for our Master, our, our Lord. He had to take all that on Himself in order to free you and me cross was required for correction. God had to allow himself to be crucified. The shedding, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You still with me? 
Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Listen, God wants us to be happy. He wants us to be full of joy. And that will come, but give yourself to Him first. Humble yourselves before the Lord. (laughs) And He will lift you up in honor. How many want that today? I want that. I want that, Lord. You know who we are. final slide give to yourself to the Lord today this is between you and him you know every detail about every man and every woman in this room every boy and girl those on the live stream Lord you know everything about them as well and we come to you humbly we come to you Lord prayerfully we come to you with tears in our eyes and we pray Lord forgive us of our sins and make us a new person I believe, Lord. I believe in Jesus, the Son of God, the Prince who brought us peace. I believe that He had to die in order for me to have life and life to the full. And today, I put my trust in You. If that's You here today, would You lift Your hand? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've put your trust in Him. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know that I've really done that. But I want this day, August the 25th, I want this day to represent the day that I said yes to the Son of God who is praying for me even at this moment. If that's you, without anybody looking around, just lift your hand up. Hands up, hands up. Thank you, put them down bunch of hands went up. Thank you. Now hear this last part because I wasn't sure how to do this. This is a challenge. When you give a gift to somebody, you can't take it back. It's not very polite if you do. (laughs) And I think That's what the Holy Spirit put on my heart is that some of you have have given your life to Him as a gift, but then you took it back. Between you and Him, if that's you, just nod. Yes. That's me, Lord. Pray this with me, Heavenly Father. We are a family of believers for some this is their moment and they're going to become part of your family grafted in through Jesus I confess my sins 
I ask for your forgiveness. Lord, change me on the inside. Help me to be like you as part of your family. I want to have your nature, your character, the love of God. May it be primary, most important, something that people see in me on a regular basis and all the other fruits of the Spirit. And Holy Spirit, now that I've given my life to you, or rededicated it, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Make me a new person. Give me all that I need to resist the devil so he'll have to flee. I'm here to serve you, Lord, until you take me to the next phase, to the next kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Until then, keep me safe and help me to live for you. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Praise Jesus today. Praise the Lord today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where is he? Did he leave? Brother Roger, where are you? Oh, can we sing that song again one more time? We got time. We have 10 minutes. Can we sing that new wine song again? I'm telling you, when you guys played that today, I felt like, oh, that's it. Why? Because it reminds us God doesn't put old wine into new wineskins, but He changes the very wineskin so that we can, so He can put the new wine in. How many are excited about that? You are a new creation in Christ. The old man is gone, the new has come. That's us. That's you and me. And by the way, if you would like and, and need a little help in your uh, Bible study or your, your understanding of the Lord, we've got a booklet back here for you, uh, The Seven Basics, and it will help you on your new path with Him. Now, please grab hold of that before you leave if you would like. It's free, and we'd love for you to take one home with you. Brother, if, if you could just lead us, and, and I'm going to just say the benediction prayer now. Um, if you do go, remember the kids are down there. I don't know if they're done yet, but let them finish up if you would, if they're still playing with the dogs and the kitties. And uh, don't scare the animals, adults. Lord, again, we are grateful for everything you've done here. I believe and I feel that you showed up today, Lord. It wasn't man-made. Lord, I, I believe that you are challenging us to walk in a new light with you. Go to a new level. And I believe that your people are ready. We are ready for that. Yes, Lord. So Lord, as we present ourselves to you today, as we leave this sacred ground, this church called the Hope, as we go out into the world once again, Lord, keep us on task. Keep us focused. 
on what's important to you. Primarily the love of God that it shines from within us. That we share that with others. Helping lead them to you. Lord, keep our families safe. For those that need jobs, Lord, give them everything they need to find work. For those who need or you would like to see them promoted, Lord, promote them in the name of Jesus. If they don't have what it takes, give it to them. Impart that to us. Lord, for those who need a miracle in their own home, in their family, maybe it's husband and wife, maybe it's son and father, whatever it is, Lord, heal those relationships, we pray in Jesus' name. I I plead the blood of Christ over our families today. And as we finish this, and as we sing this song, Lord, just make it real to us what you did for us in order to be able to get that new wine. You gave your all for us. We dedicate this church, our people, to you. Continue to have your way.